Welcome. I'm Warren Odess Gillette, and this is A Baha'i Perspective. Welcome to A Baha'i Perspective. I recorded an interview with Andrea Christensen on February 1st, 2021. Andrea was born and raised in Greenland, and her heritage and culture is Inuit. She's a journalist and works with a radio program on the national radio station Greenlandic Broadcasting Corporation, or KNR. The program covers cultural and spiritual topics in the native Inuit language. She has been a Baha'i for almost four years. She conveys most clearly in the interview that spirituality is very important to her. In the interview, we talk about her journalistic work and her goals for the future. I started the interview by asking Andrea where she grew up and what was religious life like growing up. I grew up in northern Greenland, which is amazing. It's called <laughs> That means the big island. It's actually, I lived in Greenland, which is a big island. And then within that big island, I live in a small, big island, if you could say that. <laughs> if I could tell a little bit more about what that disco island was like, it was surrounded by the nature, like all of Greenland, the cities and villages, the houses were built right next to the ocean. So we're living amongst the great nature we have four seasons, actually. It's like a no man's land, if you look at in Google Map. It's like just a big ice where no people live there. But uh, during the summer, we have actually quite warm, believe it or not. <laughs> we have dry temperature and not humid at all. So when you come here and experiencing the summer, it's like up to 20 degrees celsius it's like quite warm and the snow melts and the nature is green and very pleasant i remember when i was a kid back then we were out all the time and we played together and with my siblings and cousins and our friends we actually grew up in the nature it's amazing to grow up in greenland it's tough also it's quite a contrast between the summer and the winter. We have four seasons, and when the fall comes, the weather becomes very unpredictable. The wind comes, the rain becoming more and more cold, and then the winter comes like in October when the snow comes. Our winters are like six to seven months long in northern Greenland, they actually doesn't have sun. They don't see the sun or any light within two, three months in like complete darkness. It's quite a challenge. What I see it now, it's like being in a survival mode during the winter. But since the people are very social, we managed to go over the harsh winter. The spring is amazing, it's beautiful, it's warmer, and the snow melts, you could hear the dripping of water. You can smell the ocean, the grass becomes greener. But actually that period is a challenge for a lot of Greenlanders here, mentally. Maybe because the winter season is so harsh, actually when you Google search for Greenland on Wikipedia, one of the first thing you can see is like one of the highest numbers of suicide in Greenland. Mm. It's like all around the world, we have the highest rate of suicide. It's among the teenagers. So I believe, as we have talked about it in our community and when I grew up, it's the highest suicide rate during this springtime we become aware of like, oh man, we have to be aware, we have to support one another. And climate change plays a role a lot in front of 
my eye. It's, it's like it's happening so quick, and we have to learn how to adapt to that also. When I was a kid, it has been predictable. Like the elders know. When they look up to the skies and look at the clouds, oh, yeah, they know what's going to happen within a day, two days, three days. They know what's, if the weather's going to change or not. When I grew up in Qaltasur, we usually had like a thick, thick ice on the ocean. So we can go running, playing on the ice, dog sledding, snowmobiles are there. But within a couple of years, the ice becomes thinner and thinner. It was moving and it was quite dangerous. Those changes create also in our minds, our mentality, a quiet change that we have to adapt to. (laughs) So it's interesting that spring would be the season that would bring on these suicides rather than in the dead of winter. Why is that? I think it is because of that change. When you're in survival mode, all you think is about is like surviving the winter. But you become more calm when the winter is over. But mentally, also facing from darkness to light, your mentality also changes. You feel you're tired and getting ready to summer. Community here in Greenland haven't really identified why there's so high suicide rate during the spring. But it happens within all those four seasons, but I believe the highest rate is during the spring. I'm gathering that you're of a native background, heritage? Yeah. And so you're Inuit? I am Inuit, yes. Mm-hmm. I'm Inuk, as we call it. But actually, my dad is half Dane, but we grew up as like Greenlanders, Inuk. We have our own language, which is like from Canada and part of Alaska. I've been traveling around. And when I hear Canadian Inuit during the interviews, when I hear them and listen carefully, I could recognize some of the words, which is so interesting. But the country, Greenland, is so big. In northern Greenland, or the top of the island closest to northern Canada, their dialect and accent is so strong, it's hard to understand what they're saying. The words are different. And in East Greenland also, we're not associating one another. And their dialect and accent are different. They're different. So even we're in some of the parts, I can't understand what they're saying. So part of this question was about religious life or Mm. spiritual life. So growing up in your culture, what was spiritual life like? What I could remember clearly was my grandmother. She's a matriarch. She's the essence of the family. She believes in Jesus with all her heart, and she goes to the church every Sunday. It's like that for almost everybody in Greenland and I believe 90% of Greenlanders are Christians, baptized. It's like we have a mix of religion and culture, which is so unique. We are living our own life based on what our ancestors taught us. When our grandfathers or grandmothers tells a story, you could hear the essence of their spirituality. It's like bringing spirituality of everywhere. It's like it's in the nature. It's in the animals. So they taught us to respect the nature and the animals, the the weather. It's like the spirit is everywhere. And we could feel it as a kid. It's like receiving those stories and being in the nature. It was obvious, at least for me, to see that and experience that. But at the same time, growing up, with Christianity and going to the church is very normal. Like blending those two different cultures together, like traditions and religion. It makes sense, like Christianity, it's about spirit. It's about within, it's about God. And in Greenlandic culture, it's about creator, which is the same thing. God, creator, 
that is what I've experienced when I was a kid. It's like witnessing that and experiencing that oneness. The beauty of culture blended with that spirituality of Christianity. It's like making it stronger. That's how I feel it. I think that me to seek more. I was looking for more answers. So I, I couldn't find it. I could feel it in my heart. Something greater is happening in me. Like I couldn't really find questions to lead me towards that. It's like, why are we here on earth? Why is there so much spirituality and a lot of people are not knowing it, especially nowadays? In that process of this urge to search more that you described, describe that searching path that ultimately led you to the Baha'i faith. When I was a kid, I was very restless. Like, I lived in Qaltaqsa where there was a thousand inhabitants, and that's a small island. I could feel it in my heart. My heart was directed towards Western Canada and United States. I was looking for something big, and I was looking for something that could unite us. I don't have the script. We don't study the Bible, and I don't know where to turn to. And I noticed that my dad used to ask those questions when he was a kid. I did not know where to turn to. It was in 2016 when I came back from studying abroad in Canada for one semester. I was a mess. Like, after feeling at home in Canada, I was giving up, like not knowing what to do. And is there, I through a common friend, I realized something was about to happen. And uh, she said, is it okay if two of my friends come? Like, please, of course. And then when they came, there are two guys, which I haven't seen before. The one is French, who's pioneering in Greenland. Pioneering is a Baha'i that comes to another country to teach the Baha'i faith. He was here for almost a year, I believe, when I first met him. He started to talk about meditation. And I was like, oh man, this is what I need. Oh, I could relate to that. That's what I was looking for, and that's what I could identify with. When he mentioned that, I immediately told him, you know, I have to come. What is that in the Baha'i faith? And then he told me a little bit about that, but then he switched to another subject and said, you know, since you have a kid, we have children's classes. And I got curious about that. I said, what is that? And then he said, they learn how to pray. They learn how to be at service to others. They learn about trust, spiritual growth. And I was like, yep, my kid has to go there. Because I observed within my kid, like when he was a baby, he was observing something. He was seeing something beyond what I could see. Like he's a fresh spirit that came to this life. I tried to nurture that, but I didn't have any equipment or tools to give that to him. When he told me that, I immediately knew this is it. He'll need to learn that. So I went to the Baha'i Center, which we have one in here in Nuuk, in the capital city, and met the Baha'is for the first time. Oh, man, it was amazing. I was climbing the stairs. I was totally nervous. They were the friendliest I could ever imagine. I start to take Ruhi Book One, which is about understanding the Baha'i writings, prayers, life and death. I was still searching more. It's like I was not really satisfied. It's like my soul was hungry to find the answer. When I finished Ruhi Book One, another Baha'i came from Canada who also pioneered in Nope. They gave me hidden words, which is like spiritual guidance for humankind. From Baha'u'llah, the founder of Baha'i Faith, he wrote them in 1850s. 
those are like spiritual guidances. When I received them uh, after ending Ruhi Book One, I was reading them as if I understood them. It's like, yeah, that's beautiful. Mm, nice. When I kept reading, I could feel more and more connected to them. I felt like my soul understand more and more. And I could feel something that I have not felt before in my whole life. I knew it was not my emotions. It was not my brain. Something was stirred. I was asking God, the creator, it's like, how on earth can I get closer to you? And I received this answer right away. Why don't you become a Baha'i? That was packed as an answer and also as a question, which was mystery to me when I heard that voice. It was a sort of like a statement, yet a question. But I start to read more and more of the Baha'i books, the believers who experienced being non-Baha'i to a Baha'i and how they served the Baha'i faith. A week later, I signed and I declared as the follower of the Baha'i faith in 2017. You're a journalist, Andrea. What inspired you to become a journalist? I think it was in 2012, after when I gave birth to my son, I was looking for education. I didn't know what. So I took a personality test. It's like 30 minutes long. The result appeared and says, TV host, <laughs> a job that fits for my personality. And I was like, TV host? And I looked deeper in that. It says journalist. It's like, sure, why not? So <laughs> that's why I just took it. It wasn't really a thing that I was burning or desired to do. And how's it been to be a journalist in Greenland? It is amazing, to be honest. It's like being a liaison between the people and being a channel, actually. Collecting information, bringing the best of people and looking for the answers, what they're looking for. I'm looking for answers, and I could hear among the peoples here what they desire to do. It's like they're looking for some answers. Same with me. It's like they're helping me, they're guiding me, and I'm guiding them when we find answers. It could be culturally, it could be religion-wise, it could be events, or it could be so many things, educational journeys. But also, what I work with now is the news, politics, portraits, entertainment. Morning program that I'm working at right now are mixed. We do two-hour long live show every day. We are four co-workers. Two of them go on air, two of them do the research. So it's like a running show all the time and people can recognize our voices and the things that would be brought up during the interviews. We also include the listeners through our Facebook group. Before that, I work a lot with cultural programs which is my interest. It's like connecting the people. My partner and I, at that time, we were investigating, widening our perspectives, the way we see people. Like when we do the interviews, like an hour-long interview with one person, we try different ways to interview that person to bring out the best so she could receive something eye-opening for herself and for the audience. What inspires me most was when we had one question, because 
within a year, we observed more and more and hear more and more that people are looking for unity because the politicians were busy and they're going somewhere else than people want them to go. Also, the elders and youth, there's a lot of gap in there. They do not know each other. So after consulting on that specifically, a specific answer came up, unity and diversity. We start to ask that specific question to all of our interviews. Oh man, it was amazing. Like every person has something to give. If we ask that question, like how do you understand unity and diversity? One people said, like, we're all human beings. We all one. We look differently. We have different accents. We have different personalities. But we have the same spirit. We have the same energy. We have to get closer so we could become one strong force. We have to lift up one another. It's like that one question brings about all these colors about diverse understanding of that. It was amazing seeing the beauty of human beings when they're being asked like that, listening to their perspectives. So that was what I've experienced within those, um, I think, five years as being journalist. Andrea, you mentioned that you took a semester in Canada. What challenges did you face culturally when you did that? First of all, when I went there, it was a spiritual path also. It was within me that told me that I should go there. I was looking for a university all the way from Alaska to northern Canada, but slowly I was going south and then to the west. So it is there where I found the place that I want to go, which is Vancouver Island University. So when I went there, I was alone at first. It's like being in this strange, strange, massive nature. I didn't meet local people at first, but I saw the beauty of contrast of modern. At the same time, the indigenous people claiming more and more of their rights. Within those four months, I realized what we have here in Greenland is very strong because maybe the location, you just can't visit Greenland. You have to go all the way through Denmark or Iceland to get to Greenland. And the cities and villages are so far away, you have to take either boat or airplane. There's no roads between them. So we have our language, we have our culture, we have our religion. But what I saw in Vancouver Island is like people, the indigenous are, they don't have their language. They only speak in English. What they have had back then, their ancestors, their spirituality, Even I could feel it, but I feel like they have lost it one way or another. So, but still they're trying and trying to teach their children about the language, the culture, like reclaiming what they have had back then. That was tough to see how much they could lose spiritually and being lost. That feeling of loss that, that I could identify with. Because it was also a tough thing when I came there. English language was my third language. Because I have Greenlandic, Inuit language, and then Danish, and then English at last. So I couldn't even say fork <laughs> or a fruit that could be related to that. Say <laughs> so just yes and no, maybe. Those easy ones. But in academic studies, it was very, very tough. But at the same time, witnessing those teachers, very professional. The school system is quite different there. 
study-wise and spiritual-wise, I learned at the same time. I stayed with my friend who was an indigenous woman who I became a friend with when I was there. I stayed with her for three weeks. I learned a lot about what their values, what their culture was about. So that was a quite a change I experienced when I was there. I can say for the first time, I felt at home when I was there. When I touched the ground, I felt at home. But still, my soul was searching, but not restless. So that was a quite interesting period of time. So you came back to Greenland and you stayed, even though Canada, Vancouver Island felt like your home. You came back yeah. and stayed in Greenland regardless. Mm-hmm. Because I have a kid, I think he was three at that time, but my soul was so into this spiritual journey so I feel like I just, I have to go, like I have to leave this country. But when I found the faith, I realized I need to nurture my soul here and raise my kid here. So I'm still learning about patience, about accepting where I'm at. Like no matter where I go, it's like God is always there. My soul is connected to God, to Bahala all the time. The location doesn't really matter. I have work to do. That's why I have this personal goal to have my own radio show and travel to Canada and the United States. But what makes me stay here was the Baha'i faith. I have to learn what it is to understand the writings and learning how to say even a prayer like in the morning, showing gratitude to God that I feel blessed and thankful to be alive. And this is a new day and count the blessings during the day, reminding myself that have I been at service for other people? I also have my devotionals here. It's like meditation every Wednesday for three years which has become bi-weekly. Another friend in my area has started devotional on Wednesday also. So we cooperate that together. What I see the beauty of those devotionals that we have is like how people change when they become aware of their soul. They have spirit. Like letting go of the material world and start to saying prayers it could be from the Bible, it could be from Quran, any religion is welcome. So my home is everybody's home. During those sessions, people cry, people laughed, and joyous. It's like bringing what they have, like bringing to a life and talk about it. So that has been a quite experience. The Baha'i faith is so individual. It's like individual's journey to God. At the same time, what this faith has done is realize that I have family all over the world. In 2018, when I traveled to Israel, to Baha'i Wall Center, to elect the members of the Universal House of Justice, which is the center of the Baha'is, administratively and also spiritually they guide the Baha'is and updating like where the Baha'is are around the world what's the next step what is the next goal when we got there the nine members from Greenland all local people made a journey together to Haifa to Israel Seeing all these people from Africa, from the United States, from Russia, and from Scandinavia, from people all around the world gathered together, it is there I realized like how united we are, actually. We are not that different. When I came back from that amazing and incredible life-changing journey to Greenland, 
I feel like I see people in a different way. The human beings with souls that are searching. One of the questions that came to my mind was, after being restless for so many years and looking for answers, if I meet that kind of person that's looking for answers, how can I be at service for that? So the person doesn't have to look 50 years for an answer. And how can we, we together ignite the candle within the heart that could spark spirituality? When you don't have that, we easily become materialistic. Growing up in this country, I think that was the essence of who I am, like spiritual being. That's who we are. That's a big contrast to the United States, where it's more to the other extreme, where consumerism and materialism that mm. pull the people's attention and yeah. search. Yeah, that's true. Because in my understanding, I don't know how people survive without the nature, like being aware of spirituality. I just want to bring one by one, if I could, people from all around the world to see how the nature could affect one. If one is in the nature, the person will become more and more aware of who he or she is, the purpose of life. Like we're here to learn spiritually. The virtues, like as we know, like forgiveness and loving and be kind and all these things that we have to learn in this life. We don't think about those every day. What we think about is education, the money, the houses that we have to build or we have to travel to experience vacation there. There's so many distractions in our daily lives, economically, whatever it is, that we are occupying with, smartphones. What we forget is to look within. And I've seen as a journalist, people are hungry to find something to please within, to find peace also. But what we as a human being is usually do is look outside, using our eyes to look for something to satisfy ourselves, forgetting to look within, to pause, to breathe, to collect energy and be aware individually and community-wise, where we are. How can we help one another to become aware of this? That's what I've seen in this country, because people here are very respective to the nature. They tell stories about, even about ghosts and about the spirits and myths. That kept it alive for centuries. So what I would like to see in future as a reporter and also a Baha'i we need more spirituality we need more unity we are all human beings this is one planet there's a one humankind it could work if we look within and find the answer what we're looking for and help one another so what are your plans for the future as a journalist or anything in general? Right now, I could feel my GPS is slowly changing, which is good. <laughs> After being journalist at KNR for several years, I feel like I'm ready to take a next step. So I've been observing people from outside, from Canada, to hear them out and talk to them about who I could contact. When I was a teenager, I have a vision. I got a vision. Out of the blue, I was standing outside my parents' house. It was during summer. The weather was just so calm. 
I was watching the ocean, the horizon of the ocean, gazing at it. The water, the ocean was just clear, crystal clear, no breeze of wind. And the sun was shining. And being at the moment when I received a word, Canada, believe it or not, I had no clue at that time what that was. Is that a thing? It's like I didn't, I couldn't understand what it was because back then we don't watch television. Yeah, the radio is on 24 7, which is also part of this culture. <laughs> later on, years later, I understood what it meant, what that word meant. It's like it's a country. But it didn't really occur to me the meaning of that. What I understand it now is like I have tasks to do in Canada. So I'm slowly taking one step at a time towards that. To become independent, that would be nice to freely to talk about spirituality, about the unity, to bring the best, the strengths of people and how we could work together. It's like what I decided to do is that after hearing a lot of people, what they want to achieve, what they're looking for, so I think that's the missing link in the news also, to guide the people. So what specifically is the task that you want to achieve in Canada? Oh, that's a very, very good question. I just interviewed a Canadian woman. She works with Inuit people for many, many years. Susan Akluka, she's a musician used to listen to her music also when I was a kid. She said, what people are looking for is their stories. There's a missing link in their genes, in their DNA, like stories that they have to tell and not what other people tell them what to do or what they have experienced, but they themselves find their identity and find their spirituality and reconnect with God, their creator. So you want to work specifically with the First Nations people in Canada? To begin with, but for me it doesn't make sense to be in a specific group if I want to unite people. That doesn't make sense. I have to work with everybody. It doesn't matter if you're non-indigenous, if you're indigenous, if you're native Inuit or African-American, it doesn't matter. What we are looking for as human beings is one. So that's what I'm searching for. But to begin with, it could be in northern Canada. I don't know, God willing, I don't know where I'm going. Hopefully I will go to Canada and do my task there, be at service to Inuit to start with. But I'm here to help anybody who's willing to progress spiritually. Andrea, thank you so much for talking about your work and your goals and your spiritual journey and your life history. Thank you so much for sharing with us. <laughs> You're most welcome. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Andrea Christensen, a young Inuit journalist from Greenland. You can find this interview and other interviews on the website abahaiperspective.com and on the YouTube channel A Baha'i Perspective. For information specifically on the Baha'i faith, you can go to the website baha'i.org or you can call the number 1-800-22-UNITE. I hope you'll join me next time on A Baha'i Perspective.
can't just plant a seed and watch it grow. I'm afraid that's just not how it goes. You gotta give it love, give it your attention. That's just how it goes. That's how things grow. You gotta put it where the sun can give it warmth. Give it water every day, of course. Gotta give it love, give it your attention. If your plant's gonna live, you're gonna have to give. That's just how it goes. That's how things grow. Thank、you